listening to a recent sermon from a Covenant Church worship experience. For more information, you can find us online at covenantchurch.us. Spiritual disciplines are not the desired end product of spiritual life, but rather they are a means to an end. This message is from part two of our series, True North, where we are learning the spiritual disciplines that are the intentional development of authentic spiritual life and intimacy with God. And now here is our lead pastor, Pastor Travis Davenport. The true story is told of two lumberjacks, one older and one younger. And the younger lumberjack had gotten somewhat proud of the fact that he could cut down trees at a pretty fast rate. And so much, uh, much like many uh, other young whippersnappers, he, he felt that he had to prove himself. And yes, I did just use the word whippersnapper. Bring that back. All right. Hashtag. Anyway. Um, so the younger lumberjack decided he was going to challenge the older lumberjack to a wood cutting, a tree cutting contest. And the older lumberjack accepted, of course, and the challenge was to see who could cut down the most trees in one day. And so they began. The young man with all his vim, vigor, and vitality began to chop down one tree after the next. And he went like this all day. He did not stop. In fact, um, he didn't even take a break. Now, now he, he felt like he was doing a good job, and he, and he felt like that, that things were looking pretty good when he noticed that the older lumberjack would chop trees for an hour and then take a break for 15 minutes. Get back up, go into the woods and chop trees for an hour and then stop for another 15-minute break. But when the end of the day came, the older lumberjack had chopped down one-third more trees than the younger lumberjack now, somewhat miffed and, and put off, the younger lumberjack went over to the old statesman of forestry and said, how in the world did you, 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 old man, you, chop down more trees, taking a break every 15 minutes, when all I did was chop one tree after the next, going nonstop all day? And the older gentleman, you can just picture him, right? sitting back in his rocking chair, just sipping a, a little cup of sweet tea with his ax over his shoulder, placing it down uh, slyly, had a little bit of a grin, and he looked at him, and he gave him some wisdom. He said this. He said, because while you were chopping nonstop and I was taking a break, I wasn't just taking a break. I was sharpening my ax. I was sharpening my ax. A lot of us have been working hard to do right, to get right, to be right, but we're dull axes. We've been chopping trees with dull axes and we wonder why the trees aren't falling. We, we make New Year's resolutions. We made them last year and after two months, the ax got dull and the trees stopped falling. Are you with me? You've been there before, many of us have. And sometimes you can look at somebody uh, who, is, who is chopping down way more spiritual, quote, spiritual trees than you, and yet it looks like they're exerting half the amount of effort. Isn't that frustrating? I mean, let's keep it real. That is frustrating, and yet here you are, here we are running around, volunteering for this, giving to this, being a part of this, going here, doing that, and serving, and yet we wonder why they are progressing in their spiritual walk, growing closer and closer to Christ, and it seems like our spiritual trees are not falling like they used to. 
many of us, maybe, just maybe, maybe need to sharpen our axes. You see, that's what fasting and prayer is all about. And today in week two of True North, we're talking about the discipline of fasting. Turn to your neighbor and say fasting. Turn to your other neighbor and say fasting. Fasting is all about sharpening the axe. Now listen now, fasting is all about sharpening the axe of the inner man so we're able to move through what, what I call the, the gateway to spiritual victory. That's good, right? We all want victory in our lives. Amen? Yeah? Amen. We can say amen. We're, we're kind of young, but we can still say amen. Let me hear an amen. amen. Yeah, that means I affirm. I'm with you. Go, pastor. I know that when I affirm you and I'm with you, you preach better. So I'm going to do that more and more. Amen? Amen. All right, good. Well, it's the gateway to spiritual victory. In the book of Matthew, Jesus told his disciples that some mountains can only be removed through prayer and fasting. Fasting is the very essence of what to do when a crisis erupts in your experience. Whether it's a personal crisis or a family crisis or a financial crisis or a health crisis, it's not just something that you do casually. It's something that you do because you need a breakthrough in your life from God. Fasting is a discipline. It is difficult, but I want you as a person to experience it, and I want us as a church to experience these breakthroughs. Don't you? Yes? Amen? Jesus said that some mountains can only be moved. Some circumstances can only be overcome. Some tragedies can only be reversed by prayer and fasting. You hear a lot about prayer. Last week we spent uh, the majority of our time talking about the discipline of prayer, and we're comfortable talking about prayer. And probably not so much about fasting, but maybe, just maybe, this could be one of the things, one of the major things that could change your life. In fact, Jesus said that in his absence, fasting was to be a priority. Matthew chapter 5, sorry, Matthew chapter 9, verse 15, for example, listen to what Jesus says. Can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them and they will fast. Listen, you know what's great about this verse? It is for us. This verse is for us. Jesus is no longer physically on this earth walking the way that he once was. And because of his physical ab absence and the need that we have to make a link with him, spiritually fasting is the way to make that connection. Since you can't go to Jesus physically right now and, and verbally have a physical face to physical face conversation, God says that there is a way that you can make a special link to him when you need him. And he says, they'll call it a fast. Fasting is the way that gets through the gateway to get to God and the crises of life. So let's begin preaching today. Can we start that? That was just kind of here or there. Let's begin. Grab out your notebooks. You need to have them this month, especially Good stuff about discipline. Write some of these things down. I want to talk just a, uh, briefly about fasting. And uh, first I want to review with the principle of fasting. Write down the principle of fasting. In the Bible, fasting occurred during the burdens of life that demanded a spiritual breakthrough. Now, as I mentioned before, there could, could be emotional burdens, circumstantial burdens, financial burdens, directional burdens, which direction should I take in life? But fasting was the way that the people of God got a breakthrough to help them, direct them, help them deal with the crises in their life. 
So it was no small thing. So let's start off with the definition of fasting. I'm going to give you a couple, okay? Right quick, if not, jump back, listen to our podcast. Don't have time to repeat today. What is fasting? Fasting is the deliberate abstinence from physical gratification in order to achieve a spiritual goal. It is the denial of the flesh in order to get a response from the spirit. It gets better. It is a renouncing of the natural in order to invoke the supernatural. So fasting is where you say no to you in order to hear a yes from God. It's the way by which God's presence would be invoked in the midst of a difficult situation. Let me show you what this looks like. Turn over to the book of Zechariah or turn on the book of Zechariah or just listen or look at the book of Zechariah. Um, if you're going to spend more time searching for the book of Zechariah than reading it, just hang tight. <laughs> Zechariah chapter 7, two key verses, verses 5 and 6 says this. Say to all the people of the land and the priests, when you fasted and mourned in the fifth month and in the seventh for these 70 years, was it me, who's this me? This is God. Was it me that you fasted? And when you eat and when you drink, do you not eat for yourselves and drink for yourselves? Now follow this. When you eat after church today, who will you be eating for? Nobody but you. I can guarantee it. Nobody but you. And I can guarantee uh, that you do not eat with me in mind. And I can also guarantee that I do not eat with you in mind. <laughs> when I go to Fiesta Mariachi on Sunday afternoon and sit down in front of my blessed fajita quesadilla steak, nothing else. And I dip my fork into that Hispanic goodness and I lift up that rice to my mouth. I am not thinking, I wonder what Seth's doing right now. Because I know what Seth's doing right now. He's eating food, not thinking about me. I don't wonder, I wonder what the people of Covenant Church are doing. Right no, no, no. There are only three folk that I'm, con I'm considering when I'm eating my food. Me, myself, and I. My belly has cried out. I am hungry. I have responded. I am your loyal servant. Just let me know what to do, and I'm there. <laughs> I become an obedient servant to the cry of my flesh to receive food. I eat for me. Everyone eats for themselves when they desire food. In fact, we eat when we don't desire food. Some a little bit more than others. That's either here nor there. That's a whole other sermon that somebody else has to preach, not me. In other words... <laughs> Eating is the way to satisfy you, and the only reason you eat is for you. But here's, here's the point. God says in Zechariah, when you fast, that's for me. When you eat, that's for you, but when you fast, that's for me. When you give up food, you get my attention, just like you get your attention when you eat food. What food does for you, fasting does for me, for God. How does food, or what does food do for you? Well, I think we answered that, but it satisfies you to some degree. It satisfies you. What does fasting do for God? Don't miss this. It satisfies him. It satisfies him. Now, what about, what about fasting satisfies God that food satisfies for us? Well, I'll tell you, there is a desire when we get hungry to have something, follow this now, something inside of us that addresses the cry of the body. 
When we fast, what we're saying is, when we fast now, okay? When we fast, what we are saying is, the cry of my soul is greater than the cry of my flesh. And since my soul can only be addressed by you, God, only by you, I'm going to give up the cry of my body in order to feed the cry of my soul. Did you get that? It's important. So the reason that you get God's attention in fasting like nothing else is that you place the inner man as more important than the outer man. You've said it's more important that I feed God, that is my relationship with Jesus, my relationship with God, than I feed myself. It's a, it's a matter of what comes first. It's really a, an issue of priorities. Now to understand this, you have to understand the, 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 the theology surrounding it. So let's go back to the beginning when God created Adam. This is good. This is, this is just, this is so good. I promise. When God first created Adam, he made him out of what? Dirt. He reached down, scripture tells us that he reached down and grabbed a handful of dirt. Now, your body for the most part isn't worth that much, okay? I mean, monetarily. Now, of course, you've got some, some very important organs and you can sell those on different markets. I guess if you so choose to, I would not recommend that. You may need them later in life, but for the most part, your, your, your blood and your skin, it's not really worth that much, I, I guess. And someday, ultimately, it's, its worth is gonna be found to worms. I mean, really, that's what your worth of your, your body is. But, but when God made man, watch now, when God made man, he breathed into his nostrils, that body, he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. God took this empty shell of a body and he breathed life into it and man became a living soul. Listen, your value, somebody needs to hear this, your value is not in your body, your value is in your soul. So often we spend our lives trying to validate our bodies, trying to fix our bodies, trying to help our bodies. When I want you to know your value is not in your body, your value primarily is in your soul because Adam did not come alive until God breathed his breath of life into him. But watch what we do. What do we do? We feed the body. We overstuff it. Like I said, some more than others. We overstuff the body while our souls are starving. We get more and we jam more and we stuff more and more and more. We eat when we're hungry, we eat when we're not hungry, we eat because it smells good, we, we eat because it looks good, which is the cheap part of us as humans. We jam it so full while the soul is begging to be fed and God says the way you feed the soul is by not eating. So what you're doing is placing the soul at a higher priority than the body. And once again, it's a matter of priority that gets God's attention. Now, a few days ago, I began digging holes in my back property for what is going to be our chicken coop. Started digging these holes and, and, and here's the thing, I had to put some posts down in these holes and the posts aren't that large. The chicken coop's not gonna be that large. It's only gonna hold about 15 to 20 birds. So I didn't have to dig down but a few feet really, to be honest with you. It took me a while, but it wasn't that difficult. Um, but if I were to build a larger structure, I would have to dig a lot deeper. 
A larger structure requires a deeper foundation. You cannot build a skyscraper on the foundation of a chicken coop. Would you agree with that? You can't build a skyscraper on the foundation of a chicken coop. If you're going to build a skyscraper, guess what you have to do? You got to dig down way deep. You got to go down deep, real deep. You got to lay that foundation really low. What many of us want to do is be super Christians when we're not willing to make super sacrifices to become the super Christians that we say we want to be. We want the foundation of a chicken coop and wonder why the Empire State Building of spirituality is not resting on our shoulders. You have not taken the time to dig down deep. It was never meant to hold it. Fasting is God's way of getting you to this deeper spiritual reality. Are you with me so far? Church, are you with me so far? Should we just keep going? All right. Here's the question. Question in fasting is simply this. Are you willing? (laughs) Here's the question now. Here's the question. This is what it gets down to. Are you willing to give up steak and potatoes to gain spiritual riches. Now, you can fill in steak and potatoes with whatever food. It could be Cool Ranch Doritos. I don't care what it is. Are you willing to give that up in order to gain spiritual riches? In other words, are you willing to give up that which gratifies the flesh in order to make an investment in that which builds up the spirit? It is a test of how serious you are by what you are willing to deny yourself of. For, for, for example, some of you businessmen and women, you'll go all day without eating. You'll go all day without eating. Oh, I don't have time for this. I don't have, why? Because you're so intent on getting the deal done. You're so intent on the deadline that you will forego eating because that deadline has more value to you than that food does. What God is saying is the same thing holds true in the spiritual life. The same thing holds true. Are you willing to give up the cry of the flesh because this crisis of the spirit is so critical that it's more important than the meal? So the principle of fasting is giving up a craving of the body because you have a deeper need of the soul and the spirit. Secondly, number two, the purpose, the purpose of fasting. If you look very quickly uh, at Isaiah chapter 58, which is, uh, in my opinion, and... uh, yeah, my opinion, the most comprehensive passage on fasting, starting in verse one. We heard it earlier, but let's re, uh, read it this morning. Number one, verse one, cry aloud, do not hold back. Lift up your voice like a trumpet, declare to my people their transgression, to the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways as if they were a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the judgment of their God. They ask of me righteous judgments. They delight to draw near to God. Why have we fasted and you put it not and you see it not? Why have we humbled ourselves and you take no knowledge of it? Behold, is this, I'm sorry, behold, in the day of your fast, you seek your own pleasures and oppress all your workers. Behold, now don't miss this. Behold, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to hit with a wicked fist. Fasting like yours this day will not make your voice be heard on high. Look at your neighbor and say, voice be heard on high. Why do we fast? I'll tell you why. To make our voice heard on high. Why do we fast? To make our voice heard on high. When you fast with the proper motivation, your voice is heard on high. Amen. We believe that. Our voice is heard on high. We spend so much time with God on the run. 
We, so, we spend so much time just nickel and diamond God. God says, are you willing to have a concentrated time to make sure that you are in my presence? Look at what we do when we're hungry. When we're hungry, we make a way out of no way. Right? We, we make sandwiches out of that which is unsandwichable. We, we, ladies, you have no, wives, you have, or maybe you do, you have no idea what transpires when you go visit your mama on the weekend and leave your poor husband home all alone. You have no, unless you have made him pre-wrapped tinfoil meals, he's waking up making a bowl of rice with graham crackers. He's making sandwiches out of, out of bread or half a slice of bread and the other half a bagel because that's what's there, putting some cheese and mustard and calling that lunch. He, he's eating top shelf ramen every meal. He's firing up the grill and roasting one taco shell and calling it dinner. I mean, we will eat the most bizarre things. Why? Because we are desperate to satisfy this desire, we're not gonna spend money, you yell at us for that. So we will raid the pantry. We will make a way out of no way. We are desperate to be satisfied. Scripture says, when you fast, you are desperate to make your voice heard on high. Now listen to verse five. Is such the fast that I choose? A day for a person to humble, say humble. Say humble, church. Humble himself. Is it to bow down his head like a reed and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Will you call this a fast and a day acceptable to the Lord? It is a humbling experience to fast. To say no to food or, or no to sex. The Bible talks about sexual fasting. We'll hit that in a moment. A no to television or no to something else that you are dying to do because it's only a fast if you're giving up something. If you don't care whether or not you give it up, you're not really fasting because there's no loss. Fasting always means humility and humility always means self-denial. So what God does to the person who comes to him and is willing to give up the cry of the flesh for a greater need of the spirit is sharpen their focus between the physical nature and the spiritual nature. And in, in, in that eating is fundamental to the physical well-being, but not eating is fundamental to the spiritual well-being. Or as Jesus put it, man does not live by bread alone, but he lives by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That life alone is, is just not how well you're doing with your body. And in fact, some of us spend so much money covering up our outer man because our inner man's so ugly. Maybe you spending some major coin upgrading because your inside man is so ugly. Some of the most beautiful, gorgeous, lovely people that you would ever want to meet, watch on TV, see in the movies, go into Hollywood, whatever, are some of the most disgusting, broken, ugly people on the inside. Man, don't date a girl just because she's pretty. Don't date a woman just because she's pretty. You might, you, you might get married, wake up one day and realize that she's nasty. You, you married somebody ugly. Now, you didn't know that. You were just caught up in her eyelashes and, and all the other things. But, 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 but you're going to wake up one day and those eyelashes are going to be shaved off. And they're, they're going to be eye, red eyes just peering at you, shooting lasers in your face. 
Some of you there and you're crying. You're not laughing. You're crying. You know what I'm talking about. No help for you, brother. I can't. The issue is that our inner man must be beautified. Our inner man must be fed to complement what we're trying to do with the outer man. And he says fasting is the way to do that. Fasting acknowledges the spiritual nature. It says that there is more to me than what you see. That's, that's, I like that. There's more to me than what you see. There's more to me than what you see. That's why I like 1 Thessalonians 5.23, which says man is spirit, soul, and body. Man is spirit, soul, and body. Not body, soul, and spirit. You're not body, soul, and spirit. You are spirit, soul, and body. Well, that's the same thing. No, it's not. No, it's not. You are spirit, soul, and body. If you look at yourself as body, soul, and spirit, you will live your life from the outside in. If you look at yourself as spirit, soul, and body, you will live your life from the inside out. So the way you, 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 you gotta, ought to live, God says, is, is from your spirit to your soul, then to your body, from your spirit to your soul, to your body. Say that with me. From your spirit to your soul to your body. One more time. From your spirit to your body. The reason why we have messed up bodies is because we have messed up souls. And the reason we have messed up souls is because we're not under the spirit's control. When we're under the spirit's control, the spirit fixes the soul. When the soul gets fixed up, uh, the the soul fixes the body. So the body does different things. Notice this progression. The body does different things, not because you told it to do different things, but now because it's a compartment for a brand new inner person, the Holy Spirit, who leads you, who guides you, who directs you. So scripture says that you're a new creation when you come to Jesus. Old things have passed away. Behold, everything has been made new. Why? Because the old man has died. The old Jew is dead when you meet Jesus. Now listen to me. Scripture teaches over and over and over and over and over that you must die if you want to live. And through the Bible, we read all the time that dead things get to live. For example, you plant a seed in the ground. What happens? You bury it. It dies, and then what takes place? Something sprouts up, maybe a a fruit, or maybe a flower, preferably a fruit. When you get your cologne, you you must break the seal in order to smell the aroma. A baby chick must break through the shell in order for there to be real life to emerge. And what God is saying is that if you really want the outer man to get right, listen, if you really want the outer man to be right, if you really want the outer man to to do right, the inner man must be set free. The Holy Spirit, the the inner man must be set free. Now, I'm not going to lie. When I show up to church on a Sunday morning, I, I, I look forward, I look forward to seeing you. I look forward also, though, to smelling the fresh smell of hot, freshly popped, buttered popcorn. Can I get a witness? Is that an amen worthy? I mean, is there anything? There's a couple things better, but that's, that's, that's pretty much up there. Nothing worse, though, than taking a bite of uh, popcorn and having it not be popped. You ever do that before? You reach down, you're, you're, you're scrambling for the bottom. I mean, you know, when you pick up one of those, you don't even know it. You eat it. And what does it do? It like breaks your tooth. Something so enjoyable goes to so painful so quickly. Uh, like it, it's, it's hard. It's, it's crass. It's, it, it will, like I said, it will break your tooth. Now it's still popcorn, but it hasn't been popped yet. It hasn't been popped yet. Now, now every kernel of corn has moisture in the center. Did you know that? 
Every kernel of corn has moisture in the center, and you put the popcorn in the microwave, and the microwave heats up the, the moisture, and the moisture becomes steam, and the steam pushes against the, the, the shell, and all of a sudden, after 60 seconds, you start to hear what? Pop! Pop! Pop, 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 pops everywhere, pops everywhere around you, and, and uh, the shell explodes open. And, and if you had never seen popcorn before, you would be shocked because you didn't know that there was that much stuff on the inside of that shell. The shell was holding stuff down so that what was on the inside never burst to the outside so it was not edible. Do you see the parallel? Do you see where I'm going with this? When you come to God in the environment of fasting, he heats up your spirit so that your spirit inflames your soul, so that your soul breaks through your body, and you didn't know that there was so much good stuff on the inside. You didn't know there was so much righteousness inside of you, but it's because you, you came correct. We used to say that back in seventh grade. Man, you better come correct. That's what we used to say. Bunch of white kids with corn around us. We used to talk like that. Boy, you best come correct. You say that in the wrong place as a white kid holding a corn cob. You ain't going home. It's because you came to the presence and bowed before him in humility and he broke you. Now, don't miss this. He broke you. He broke you. To be broken means to be stripped of one's self-sufficiency. That's what humbling means. Now, see, some of us don't come at it ho uh, with, with humbleness, with humility. We don't come humble, and we don't mean it. We, we don't mean not to be humble, but, but I want you to know it, it offends God. I love you, but not coming humbly before God is an affront to him. You want to know a huge affront to God? We laugh it off, but it's a huge affront to God. New Year's resolutions. You know why? We say things like this. This year, I'm going to stop doing this, and I'm going to stop doing that. I'm going to stop going there. And you know what you're saying to God when you say, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that, and I'm going to stop this, and I'm going to... What you're saying to him? You're saying, I can do this. This year, I can do this. This is a side note. If you could do it, you would have already done it. That's a sidebar. You know what God wants to hear? You know what humility is? Lord, I can't. This is why coming to Jesus is often so difficult for, for men. We, we, don't, we don't like to admit our need for help. Thus the, the sandwich bagel with, with cheese and mustard and whatever. We don't, we don't want to let you know we need help. We don't want to come before God and say, I, I can't do this. But that's what true humility is. I can't. You're not failing God when you tell him, I can't. You need to say, Lord, I can't. I've tried every which way I know, and I can't. I can't get rid of this addiction. I can't stop these habits. I, I can't get rid of this pornography. I, I can't get rid of this anger. I can't get rid of this bitterness. I can't get rid of this unforgiveness. I am totally ruined. Like Isaiah said, I am undone. I can't. I can't do it. 
And so I throw my inability at the mercy of your feet. I throw my failure at your feet. I throw all this stuff at your feet. I can't. And you know what God says when you say I can't? He says, ah, now we're ready. Now we're ready. Now we can get to work. Because as long as you're stuck in this cycle where you're saying I can, you're not broken. You're not being humble. You're not bowing down. You're not putting yourself in the proper place because you recognize that you are broken when you realize that you cannot do a thing without God. That's some old school preaching. We'll go back. We'll go old school. We'll get the Gaithers back here and we'll go old school for a minute. Okay. So let me just say this. You cannot do a thing without God. God allows it. What about the people that curse God? God allows it. What about the people that murdered Jesus? God allowed it. God allowed it. God holds you together by his words. You don't have to move an arm. Just says, eh. God allows it. Every breath you take, the same breath that the atheist draws in to say there is no God is the same breath that God says, give him another. Give him. Give him another. Give him another. See, without God, you can do nothing. We must come humbly and saying we are in desperate need of you. Apart from you, we can do nothing. But with you, what, what's the truth? With God, we can do all things. It's fasting. Most people are trying to live the Christian life in their own power. Trying to, is that the oxymoron of, of, of everything, the contradiction? We try to live the Christian life in our own power. But listen to this. Listen, listen, this is good. This is good too. I think this is good. When you try to live... The Christian life in your own power, you are, in essence, this is what you're doing. You are calling on the flesh to get the flesh to help you defeat the flesh. That's a contradiction. You cannot make a resolution in the flesh to fix the very thing that is causing the problem. Not only that, but the flesh don't want to die. It wants to live. It's going William Wallace every 10 seconds. It's screaming freedom, running down, the, running down the field with a sword. It does not want to die. This is why Jesus says you must daily crucify your flesh. Yeah, we try to depend on the flesh to eradicate the flesh. You have to humble yourself before God. See, James says in chapter 4 that only those who humble themselves will God lift up. And humility is all about bowing down. And fasting is one of the ways that we bow down to God and his will in our life. I'm giving up food. I'm, I'm giving up this gratification so that I might experience God at another level, whether it's one meal, one day, or whether it's one day, or whether you fast for one week or, or for one month, I'm giving this up to get to God on another level. Couples get divorced. You thought I forgot about sexual healing. Nope, here we go. Couples get divorced. You know what the Bible says the solution is? According to 1 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul says that you should not have sex, but take the time Take the time that you would have spent being intimate and get on your knees and talk to, about, talk to God about the problems in your marriage. That's called a sexual fast. Real sexual healing, in my opinion. Most couples have never heard of that. Never, never heard of that. They've never used the time to be intimate as time for a sexual fast in order to heal the problems in their marriage. You don't need a divorce. You need a fast. Come on. 
You don't need a divorce. You need a fast. You need to take the gratification and you need to replace it with throwing yourselves on the mercy of God. Lord, our personalities can't work. Lord, our personalities don't work. Lord, we have irreconcilable differences. But Lord, you made us. You brought us together. You have to be the one to fix us because I can't. It's when the drug addict goes through the 12-step program and comes out the door and goes back into the life and says, I can't. It's when your family's out of time and your laptop is there and you can't stay away. It's when you come to your end and say, I can't. I cannot do this. Fasting is a way of humbling yourself. Fasting is a way of humbling yourself. Here's the challenge. I'm going to close. Here's the challenge. Personal challenge. I want you this week to get a notebook. Big notebook, small notebook, medium-sized notebook, whatever. You, and I'll, like, get a pen, get a pencil, get some chalk, whatever you want to do, a marker, <laughs> whatever you want to write with, the options, right? Uh, and on one side of the paper, I want you to write out what it is that you want God to do. Okay? Now, this isn't your list of Santa. This is going to cost you more than just being good for a year, okay? I want you to write out what it is that you want God to do. And I, and I mean write it out specifically. Don't just write down, Lord, bless me. Don't, don't write that. I, I want you to write down something so specific that it would have to be God to move in your life to do it. And then I want you to fast. Maybe it's one meal a week. Maybe it's one day a week. Maybe you take a couple days and fast. Maybe you take a week. I don't really know what, it, what that's going to look like. We're going to talk about that in our Sea Life groups this week. And maybe outline some of the specifics. But I want you to write those things down. And I want you to get this particular healing of my body, my particular body part healed. I, I want you to win my mother to Jesus Christ. I, I want you to take away this weakness that I can't say no to drugs. I want you to get pornography out of my life. And I want you to just, listen now, I want you to write those down and I want you to just lay it right there. Just lay it out there. Just put it out there. And then you put that piece of paper before the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want you to lay it out and, I'll, and I want you to say, Lord, this is why I'm giving up food. This is why I'm giving up this. This is why I'm giving up this thing that gratifies my flesh. I'm giving it up because I need you. And listen, I need you to come through on number one. I need you to come through on number two, number three, number four, and number five. I can't do those things. I, I need you to do them. I need you to do them. Now, on the other side of the paper, you keep it blank because that space is reserved for when God answers your prayers. And so maybe it's the same day. Maybe it's a week later. Maybe it's a month later. Maybe it's a year later. I don't know. But you write down when God came through and answered your prayer. And I don't want you to write it down just so that you can like hang it up on your fridge. I want you to hang. I want you to write it down so that you can tell people about it. You say, this is when God moved in my life. This is a time when I experienced Jesus like no other. Too many of y'all piggybacking off of everybody else's blessings. Time to get your own. It's time to grow in the faith, to lay your needs, make them known before our God and allow him to give you strength through the discipline of fasting. Thank you for listening to this message from our series, True North at Covenant Church. We hope you've been impacted by what you've heard today. 
Visit us online at covenantchurch.us for more information and to listen to more impactful sermon audio just like this.